Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, here is our intro. And this is really, really perfect because I just spent the last 30 minutes basically completely recreating a studio set from a mic that I just pulled out of the basement and my surface. Um, if anybody's noticed the last couple of weeks why I've sounded different, it's because the internet on my computer keeps crashing. And so my whole mic setup is basically worthless. And we were talking a little bit beforehand because I want to start taking the production a little bit more seriously. And Ethan's like, yeah, 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 me too. And so coincidentally, all of this shit just happened. So here's how I want to start the show, Ethan. I have an email that was sent to me this morning from our friend, Paul. Paul's an avid listener. He loves the show. This is what he says. Let me edit your podcast, audio and video. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a lot of times your volume is really low. So I have to turn you up. Then Ethan comes in and blows my speakers out. I can normalize your level. <laughs> I can normalize your levels up the recording quality. Have you thought about Riverside and help you get the most out of your mic? You are a little reverby. I could also add some transitions and B-roll, like when you're doing shout outs or talking about your products, because you don't have any transitions at all. I could be your producer, Jamie, if you're interested. So uh, that's Paul. <laughs> and he thinks our production sucks. <laughs> uh, well, thanks a lot, Paul, for reaching out. <laughs> I just want to acknowledge the points that you made there. <laughs> I was insecure about it all day because it was such a relief the last couple of weeks to be recording on my surface because it was such a problem. I mean, it's been a problem for like two months. There's something wrong with my computer or something where the internet, you know, everybody on Zoom knows where it says your connection is unstable and then you glitch out and it just doesn't happen on my surface. I don't know why. And so I was so insecure about it that I just last minute ran to the basement grabbed this USB mic that I totally forgot I had. I pulled it out of some big Tupperware bin. I got wires and all types of madness just spewed on the floor of the, of the basement. But from what you're telling me, Ethan, I'm sounding good right now. So I, I think I think we're in the well, business. I think we're pretty running. Good. Pretty good. Although I would, I would be keen to hear Paul's thoughts on it. I think, okay, actually, I'm glad he reached out. And actually, I... I'm not sure if he reached out to me too. I get I got a message similar to this. I'm not sure if it was a Paul. He's a really good guy too. I talked to him a lot. Um, I'm glad he reached out because I this is something that I'm actually self-conscious about too, because I, I deal with the exact same thing. Like I feel like sometimes I can't hear our show very well. And then uh specifically, I had some like hearing damage recently. And so for whatever reason now, I'm not sure if it's the way that I'm recording my audio or if it's the way that we've just mixed the show or whatever it is, my voice comes through and it like, it, it actually bothers my ears because there's just some note in it that hurts ever since I had this hearing damage. So um, anyways, Paul, thanks for reaching out, man. It sounds yeah. like, it sounds like Tim's going to hit you up. Um, <laughs> well, we got to do something. I mean, our show, here's the thing. Our show is getting like pretty big. It's not huge, but it's big enough that I think the least we could do is maybe record on something that has two tracks 
Wait a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me be clear. No, I like the idea of mixing. I like the idea of better mics. I am vehemently against Riverside. That said, well, actually, no. I'm just. Why do you hate Riverside so much? Though we can we can try we can try Riverside. Here's the thing that I notice all the time is like because of the one track thing. When you and I are joking or talking, like you can only hear one. It picks one. Yeah, it picks one. I think there's like a couple ways to deal with that. One would be like we got to each record locally as well as the Zoom call, and then somebody's got to mix it all. Or you could use Riverside. I have had nothing but bad experiences with Riverside, but I'm down to try it. I'm down to try it. Let's try it out. We'll give it. We'll give it a try, and we'll see uh if the set if it's like that much better if i'm like six times funnier because you can finally hear me on riverside i'm down like we'll do it six times funnier and six <laughs> times better looking because yeah of riverside. <laughs> yeah no yeah absolutely whatever advantage i can get <laughs> long story long though i i mean i agree with him. i think i think the, the things that he's called out are actually yeah. spot on so we should we should we should talk about it we got to do something all that said, sorry to you suckers who are listening to this week's because yeah. we haven't done any of that now. So tune in next time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's jump right into the show. Last week we wait, hold on a second. Can I can I set it up? Yeah, go ahead. Set it up. You said you said the magic words though. You said the magic words, which were last week. Last week we had a whole show, and then at the very end uh tim dropped a bomb that basically set up this week last week we talked all all basically all episode about the advantages of building a social media following and the creator space and like what it means to build your brand through some sort of like media entity that has its own voice and personality and all these things yeah and then at the very end of the show Tim said something, and I'm going to play his quote here, because this is going to frame the show that we have for today. Oh, no, you recorded me? Oh, geez. (laughs) Well, no, this is the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be really surprised. There's a lot of recordings of you out there talking (laughs) to me. Somebody's recording all of our calls. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, So here's what he said. There's something else about the media landscape and the individual creator world that I think is left unsaid a lot of the times. And this is what it is. The majority of like multimillionaires that I know do not give a shit about Twitter. They do not care. It's a huge waste of time. If you actually want to build a business, and this is true for me as well, Absolutely true for me. The vast majority of the revenue that comes in through Stasi is not through media. You know, I'm toying around with this idea because we're big enough now that we're starting to think like, okay, how do we expand? How do we expand? But if you want to build a business, and this is my Gary Vee thing, really. This is why I say I have a love-hate relationship with him because I think the stuff that he says is true, but I think it's just bad advice. If you want to build a business, the last thing you should do is be posting fucking pictures on Instagram. You should be meeting people and shaking hands and sitting at the table with people and talking to people and going to conferences and going to your local chamber of commerce and actually like sitting down and making business relationships because that really, like real money is made 
in on conference tables. Here, here in the back now, I like double down <laughs> on it. Yeah. Oh, really? Definitely. <laughs> All right. So for the listeners, he said that, and and like I said, he said it the last minute of the podcast. <laughs> and <laughs> what we basically said was, this could be a whole episode in and of itself. And there's some, tr- the reason it could be a whole episode is because it's a controversial thing to say. It's an especially controversial thing to say after you speak for 45 minutes about all the advantages of building on social. And so we decided what we're going to do is we're going to come back this week and we're going to debate it. And so specifically, he was going to go out, find some people who are doing a really good job of the thing that he said, which is like building a successful company without really spending time on social media. And then I was going to go out and basically argue the opposite. We're going to try to convince each other. And then you guys can be the judge of who is more convincing. Um, so the, I guess the question, Tim, is are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for this beatdown? I'm ready. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than ready. Okay. Well, we'll get into we'll get into some of the stuff, some of the stuff I found. Um, but you said something a second ago that I want to hear you talk more about. So maybe you'll kick this thing off. You said hearing that played back, I'm going to double down on that. Definitely. Talk to me, man. What's on your mind? <clears throat> okay. I'm thinking of my experience, and the first eight years of me trying to get clients. And the more I thought about this, by the way, there needs to be some context because things happen when you just get so big that you kind of become famous on social media without even trying, you know, like your popularity. The the first thing that people do is they look you up on social media. And so that happens. My, there's two points I really want to make. The point is that what I already said, real money is made on conference tables. Real money is not made on Instagram. And two, to get started, the worst thing to do is waste time posting pictures on Instagram, thinking that your videos or your selfies or your anecdotes on stories or your inspirational fucking picture of the clouds and the mountain for the day is going to drive like any kind of business at all. And I realized I realized that like, I'm proof of this since I've been having so much success on Twitter and LinkedIn, which is true, by the way, is definitely true in comparison to my agency business, which I've done no social media. It's still like very, very, very small, but I am having success there. And so I decided, all right, let me transition a little bit to Instagram. And I've, I've basically invested about a thousand dollars a month for let's call it nine months now into Instagram and uh, nothing, not a single thing, not one to the point where I don't even think about it anymore. I I don't, I don't even remember that I like have an Instagram account except for when I'm posting the videos on it. It's just because I don't have Instagram on my phone. I, I, and that's also why I don't do stories on Instagram because you can only do stories on your phone. So I post it all from my computer and, uh, it's completely irrelevant. So the, like the, the, the biggest proof of concept that I have here is myself where nothing it's it's probably like negative nine thousand dollars in value in Instagram (laughs) (laughs) and so like why would anybody start a business whether you're a freelancer or a photographer or an accountant like why would anybody 
go to Instagram and think, yeah, I need to spread my brand. I need to get awareness as if that's the best place to start. It's the dumbest thing that you could possibly do. I, I am laughing over here because I realized in the lead up to this, that what's really interesting about this debate is that you and I are basically on the opposite side of what we actually do, right? So between the two of us, you are much more active on social media than I am. And I think that's helped to inform your opinion here. But at the end of the day, like if we were both to just give advice on our sides of the debate and then walk away from here and people were to observe what we actually did, I would give a bunch of advice about like, oh, you should definitely be on social. And then people are gonna be like, but Ethan hasn't posted in like a month. And then you're gonna say social is the worst and people can find whatever 50 like Twitter threads that you've posted over the last couple of weeks. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, and funny. I, I'm curious, I'm curious as we go on, if any of your thoughts about this have changed because, or like if, if, if even just pondering this from the opposite perspective of where you normally stand has yeah. given you any new thoughts or insights. Well, it sounds like one of them is that the value isn't as clear as it, as it might feel initially. Sort of. And there is a really clear distinction that I think is important to make. <laughs> And that is that email addresses are still gold. And the reason why I view Twitter and LinkedIn differently from TikTok and Instagram and even YouTube to an extent is because th th those types of social media don't drive clicks back to a website, mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm self-aware enough to know that like, hey, Twitter and LinkedIn have crushed it for me both in terms of generating clients through like my personal consulting agency, which I, I hardly really take clients for, but all of those leads come through my website through timstyles.com. Um, it's like 15 days into my automation, you know? Um, and then not to mention, I built a whole entire newsletter business off of it. And, and so it is like a little bit hypocritical talking about both out of both sides of my mouth, you know, but LinkedIn and Twitter are different just because they appeal to the writer and writers sign up for emails. Whereas the other ones appeal to like, like vanity and short attention spans and, and, and that kind of thing. And so, mm. so I, I do feel like I need to make that caveat, but for the rest of the debate, I'm still going to ball them into the same thing. And I, I think that's uh that'll, that'll help the debate. Right. Yeah. Cause I felt, I felt similarly. I was like, well, uh, why am I I'm going to sit here and defend mark like marketing? That's <laughs> that seems like a dumb thing to try to defend. I think we all agree that marketing is important. So here's what I did. I basically said, okay, well, I'm going to take as uh, extreme of a stance on this as possible and then try to build a case for it. So rather than just saying like, yeah, marketing is important or it's not important. Here's my stance. I'm going to say that social media engagement is the most valuable thing that you could be doing as a business owner and that you shouldn't be doing anything else. You should be, you should actually be setting your company up so that you can focus exclusively so bad. on social media engagement. And I'm going to prove this to you, Tim. I'm going to prove this to you. Um, okay. So the extreme stances are clear. Everybody understands we are taking the extreme sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to try and convince me to get rid of all my social accounts. I'm going to convince you that you should outsource everything in your company so that the only thing you're doing is social media posting. Um, and basically, here's uh, 
here's why I think you're wrong about the value that you're getting from. Actually, let me let me add one more note too. You've made an important caveat a few times, which is that like the value of social media changes depending on how established you are, especially on those platforms. Like if, if you have no following and no product and no revenue and no traction, it doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense to be publishing kind of out into the ether, right? <clears throat> but the point that I'm going to try and make is that actually there is some potential value to that. And here's why. This is why social media is so valuable that nobody thinks about. Um, mediocre product with great storytelling will outperform great products. And I'm going to take the stance that nothing teaches you to, or nothing has the ability to teach you to tell stories better than social media, if you use it right. And we'll get into what that looks like in a second. But that's kind of the basis of my argument. And I'm going to go through three different, I've got a couple of different cases I wanted to show you, but like, I basically think that if you can tell great stories, your product can be meh. It can be in a, in a space that's totally overcompeted and undifferentiated. You can even have like a shitty product that people say that they don't like. If you're good at social media, you can overcome all three of those things and make like a huge business. So we'll get into that. That's my stance though. I think social media teaches you storytelling in a way that almost nothing else can because there's like no barrier to entry, super fast feedback loop. And um, it's really easy to kind of spin up different faces or brands that you can sort of test with. So that's where I'm starting from. And we can get into it. Do you want me to go first with like an example? Or do you want to do you have one? I, I don't care who goes first, but I'm glad that you put that into context because since you have almost like a, a, a thesis statement, I would say that social media only ever leads to conversations without the actual handshake, then social media is worthless anyway. So just skip that part and go directly to the conversation. Okay. Bold. Yeah. Bold. So that's my, so <laughs> uh, I, I don't care who goes first. You want to rock, paper, scissors, shoot over it? Sure. All right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, fuck. You go first. Okay. All right. So the three things that I said was social media and have, being great at storytelling can help you overcome a mediocre product. It can help you in a completely undifferentiated market, and it can help you overcome a product that people actively dislike. So let's start with mediocre. And by the way, as I do this, got to give two people shout outs. The first person is a woman named Jasmine Starr. Jasmine is the founder of Social Curator. Uh, her business is basically to teach business owners social media. I was talking to her this week, and she was actually the one who like clicked this in my head where she said, uh, mediocre products will outperform superior products if they have great storytelling. And it pisses people off all the time because people know if your product is mediocre, right? Like if you're a competitor and you're like, oh, they only do an okay job. We do an excellent job, but they they trash us in terms of revenue. If you know that it'll piss you off, but guess what? doesn't matter that it makes you mad. If, you, if you're the better storyteller, you're going to win. So she had kind of inspired a lot of the thoughts that I have around this. Um, and the other person, this is where a lot of the examples were drawn from, is a person named Jordan Souza. Uh, she is the creator of a newsletter called the TikTok Lab. Yeah, great name. And her newsletter has also got a great name. It's the TikTok Lab. 
Uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. What she basically does is she reverse engineers uh, viral TikTok videos and shows you why they worked. How worthless and- they are. <laughs> Depending on who you are. Um, so a lot of these examples, actually, I think all three of the examples that I'm going to lean into came from her newsletter. And I just wanted to shout those two people out first. So let's start with mediocre product and how being a great storyteller can have absolutely incredible returns. Jordan wrote a story for us uh, about at Trends about a company called Candice. Have you heard of Candice? No. Okay. The website is candice.co. Um, C-A-N-D-E-E-Z-E.co. Okay. Well, this actually changed in the last couple of days. But what this is, is uh, actually, let me start by laying out their uh, their viral TikTok. So this is, a, this is a company that was basically started by a husband and wife team. They launched on TikTok. So they basically started their company from scratch on TikTok with this video. This is called the founder video. It's sort of you tell your story of your company and like about your product and maybe why people should buy it. This video got uh, 21 million views, 2.5 million likes. It won them 280,000 followers in their first week. And we're looking at their website now. It currently says uh, that they're restocked, but for the longest time they were completely sold out because of this uh, one TikTok video that absolutely just blew up their account. You can see, I'm, for people listening, I'm on their TikTok page right now. They've got 11 videos on here. So this is not an account that's uh, been around for a long time. And what do they do? They take candy from the store and they put it in a freeze dryer. And then they bag it up and they send it to you. And I think that's amazing because what I'm... <laughs> For by the way, like how much is this? I haven't even I haven't even looked. Freeze dried candy, and and I don't want oh people God, listening to this. Freeze dried M Ms? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Okay. Here, here's a bag of freeze dried or twenty four ounce box of freeze dried Skittles. Guess guess how much this is, listeners? Fifty dollars. <laughs> okay. And this is not a knock on these two. I have no idea how they're doing this without getting sued, but. But the reality is they took something, they, they have they have a product that people like relate to. They uh, sort of adapt it so that it's got like a different, when you put these things in an air dryer, they they puff up, they have a different texture, different flavor, all kinds of stuff. So it, it is interesting. But the point is they're basically taking candy from the supermarket, putting it in a freeze dryer, bagging it up and selling it. If you were to bring that to me and be like, I'm going to sell Skittles for $50 a box, I would have told you. You're insane. And I think a huge part of the reason that they're able to do it is because they have done this just incredible job building a community on social media. It took them from zero to 60 right out of the gate. And I think they're going to ride that wave as long as possible. So that's the first one. Mediocre product. And I mean mediocre in like the most loving way. This is not super innovative, right? It is, eh, you know, Skittles. Okay, so here's a question. I'm happy for them and their success. I I love it. $50 (laughs) for a bag of Skittles. (laughs) Like I would definitely eat freeze-dried M&M's. How long 
really objectively how long do you think a company like that is going to be a business for i mean warren buffett one of his most successful companies is a candy company so who knows yeah do you know what it is no oh they're <laughs> <laughs> still around <laughs> okay um uh, i mean do you know what it is because I, I mean i could find it in two seconds like it's it's uh it's what is it uh, i'll just find i it. don't know what it is but the point is i see that and it's likely that it's an anomaly. It's a flash in the pan. It's likely. I mean, cool. So you take something like that and you compare it to, and I, this wasn't even one of my examples. This is just the first thing that popped into my head. You compare it to Sriracha. Like how long has Sriracha been a company for? Forever? They don't even no. have a trademark. They, they no, their product is so much better than everybody else's that they literally say, you can call your stuff Sriracha. I'm not even going to trademark it because you're so inferior to us. Do you think Sriracha built their business on social media or do you think that he just made the best chili sauce that there's ever been? It's a good question. I'm looking up, I'm trying to find when they were, let's see, Sriracha is a type of hot sauce. Use origin variations. Hmm. Yeah, the founder never even patented it. That's wild. Wow. Okay. All right. I think we do have to dig in deeper on the assumption that this is a flash in the pan. I I hear what you're saying in terms of like, look, huge uh tidal wave of interest around this thing. How long is it gonna last? I here's the thing though, and this is what I would this is my counter to that. Their audience is not small. Like the flash in the pan stuck. They've got 420,000 followers on their business account now. I don't know what the conversion rate on that is, but I would imagine that it doesn't have to be more than like 1% to continue to run the business as a as a couple. You know, like like that could easily be a lifestyle business. I think they've got they've got the foothold is what I'm saying. I don't think it has to go much further than that. Now, there's a lot that can kill a business. Social media might not be the only... Wait, actually, no, my position is that social media is the most important thing. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say you're wrong. Not a flash in the pan. And they've built the the audience big enough that they can now take it and parlay it into whatever they want. They could. 420,000 followers. Think about how long that took somebody like Sahil Bloom to put together. That's like two years of work for him. And that would be very smart of them to do. Yeah, I think that's a great example. I really do. I think that's like a really, really good example. Um, Now, here's the caveat. This is kind of how I started thinking about it too. Is like, okay, these guys went viral. And I think Jordan did a great job of breaking down why they went viral. So if people are interested in that, they can, I don't know, go sign up for trends and you can read the piece. But um, what she said was that there, like, there's a couple elements of storytelling that really made this stand out. It wasn't, it's not really about the air dried, the, the freeze dried candy at all. You and I could start freeze dried candy tomorrow. We could put it on TikTok exactly the same way. And I don't think there's any guarantee that it would go viral in the same manner. And that's because the, the virality is not really linked to the product, it's linked to the storytelling. And if you understand storytelling, you can leverage this stuff. And if you don't, 
you could just be wasting your time. Mm -hmm. So this is like where some of the rules that I started to think about this for myself came from where I was like, it's not enough to just participate on social media. You need to be trying to improve measurably. What do we talk about sometimes? It's like the difference between work and actively focused on getting better at something. What is that yeah. called? Malcolm Gladwell talks about this, right? Somebody know. does. Anyways, there are specific, you can't, you can't just post into the ether. You have to be focused on trying to do something specific, trying to improve your storytelling abilities. And I think there are a couple components that go into that. One is studying the craft of storytelling in general. That's where like, I mean, newsletters like Jordan's are cool because she'll break down and say, oh, here are the elements that they used in this story that people really relate to well. Um, like the fact that they're a recently married couple, people usually root for that. The fact that they just started a business, people usually root for that. They did a really good job showing these things off. So you got to study people who are going to teach you how to relate, how to tell stories. But I think the other thing too is this concept of copy work that we've talked about before, which is like focused practice on replicating past work that has driven big results. Because you need to get the reps in trying to create something that has proven to be successful before, right? Like copying people who've come before you until you start to understand and like integrate enough of it into your, your own bones to start telling yeah. your own stories. I don't think just posting out into the social media in like a random way is going to do much for anybody. But if you sit down with that sort of focus on, I'm going to learn how to be the best storyteller in my industry on this platform, I think there's enormous potential there. And if you're selling sriracha sauce, it sounds like there's an opportunity to go own TikTok. Uh, all right. So what do you got? Give me somebody. You said sriracha is actually a pretty good one. I, I do. I do like that as an argument. But you said in our text this morning that you thought of a couple other ones off the top of your head that were going to like absolutely trounce this concept. Yeah. And all I did was think of Fortune 500 companies. <laughs> like. <laughs> All this, I did was this is the Google point I'm trying to make. Who's it's actually not that making social money. media is I don't even want to say good or bad. It's not that. It's just social media is small, like small time kind of little penny grabbing happens on social media because there's so many people saying the same exact thing, all trying to separate themselves with the same concept, right? And like, yes, if you're a one person or even an agency, like you, you can build a big business using social media. It's, I'm not denying that. You know what I mean? I'm just saying that real, real business isn't made through there. So I'm going to read this. Walmart, Amazon, Apple, CVS, United Health Group. What are you Exxon. What's that? I thought you were setting me up for like some kind of pithy quote, like a Warren Buffett quote or something no, like no, that. No, like, no. I'm going to read this out loud. Walmart. No, I'm Please. talking about the biggest companies. <laughs> Amazon. In the world. Okay, yeah. go for it. Berkshire. Is it Berkshire or Berkshire? How do you say it? I say Berkshire. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, Berkshire. Alphabet, McKeeson, Amerisource, Bergen, which I don't even know what that is. And then I was thinking about other ones. Like you ever hear of AMD? Nope. Yeah, it's probably the most important microchip company that there is right now, other than the actual manufacturers in um, 
what does it mean to be Dutch Holland in, in Holland? Are, are Dutch people from Holland? Wrong guy, man. <laughs> okay, <that's> so <laughs> embarrassing. Know. Oh my goodness. Denmark? Is that it? Yeah, maybe. No. Um, so maybe like I'm jaded because I spent too much time in, in South Florida with, you know, like the 60, 70 year old, like Bentley drive-in millionaires who just don't really care about any of this stuff. But when I see young kids on, on social media, penny grabbing, basically fighting for the same, it's like the pinata, you know, like social TikTok is like the pinata that just sprayed all of this, like bubble gum and confetti everywhere. And all the people on social media are like the ravenous little four-year-olds that are diving into the grass and getting like grass stains on their jeans, begging for like little pieces of bubble gum, right? That's just not a good strategy to really, really make it. I'm talking like life-changing make it because I'm all for freeze-dried M&Ms, but I don't think that's, I don't think that's like generational life-changing set for the rest of your life type, type success. I mean, Walmart, do you think anybody cares about Walmart's Twitter? And I look, they have 1.2 million followers. Do you think, do you think Walmart's 1.2 million followers makes them more successful than they would be otherwise? No, I don't think it makes them more successful, but here's an interesting counterexample, which is Chipotle. So I was talking, I mentioned Jasmine already. And I, I asked her, I'm like, I actually set up your question where I said, you know, some people out there would say that social media is a giant waste of time. Like what brands do you think are actually doing a great job of it? She said Chipotle. Chipotle and, is really good. Yeah. Both in terms of eating it, but they're so smart. Like even the little um, like hashtag burn marks they have on the table, you know, stuff <laughs> like that. When you, when you see pictures of Chipotle, it's so recognizable. I thought that was yeah, actually I mean, okay. a really, That's a good one. <laughs> I, th I actually, so I'm, I wasn't familiar with their social media strategy. I thought it was kind of like, a. I didn't like that answer when I first heard it. I was like, oh, well, I don't follow Chipotle. So who cares about them? But in the research for this, I looked them up and I see what she's talking about. Because one of the things that you and I said last week was the reason so many brands rely on creators is because they don't have any voice of their own. And we had actually kind of built this audience for um, should you build a media brand under your like personal name or something that's outside of your business so that it can have more of a personality and then funnel uh, traffic to the more corporate business that you actually run. And I was pretty well sold on that until I saw what Chipotle is doing. What's really interesting about their strategy is it really feels like one person runs that account and it yeah. really feels like Chipotle is a person. Um, and I just know enough about companies that size to know that there has to be a whole team dedicated to that and like millions of dollars in spend per year or something like that. I mean, that would be my guess. I haven't read any of their, like they're publicly traded, right? I haven't read any of their annual reports, but, um, the point is they really are doing a great job of the thing that you and I basically said companies just can't really do. So I thought that was an interesting example. Um, but I will grant you your point about generational wealth. There is something though, is an, inter an interesting caveat. I'm not sure social media has been around long enough for us to have our first generationally wealthy person off of it. I don't know, can you think of anyone? Who's like, has anybody made a, I guess maybe the Kardashians. Yeah, that is really interesting. Conor McGregor, 
the Paul brothers, definitely the Kardashians. I mean, good God. Their whole thing probably, was like, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then you see somebody like Kanye, who I, I actually don't know anything about his financial situation, but everybody would lead you to believe at least that it's gone away. No longer a billionaire, no longer has the deals. So kind of like a social media could build you up, but potentially also tear you down in a way that like, you know, Walmart, that family ain't never going to lose that money. They've been yeah. facing human rights, like uh, lawsuits for years and for years. <laughs> they're still rich as hell. My favorite um, was when Amazon was getting so big that Walmart started becoming like the good guy, you know, and people <laughs> were saying like, no, support local, shop at Walmart. If you don't, then Amazon is going to like become our overlord. Like, what is happening? <laughs> um, there's something else I want to dig into that you said too, about how social media feels like everybody clamoring for attention. There's, it's interesting that you go there. I think you're right. But I also think that people who do that are missing the point. Like the, the best storytellers are not clamoring for attention. They, they play a different game, right? And it's, it's just really rare that you could, that they play a different game and that skill set is rare enough that I think they sort of operate in their own field. Or at least they have plenty of opportunity. Great storytellers on social media. They don't clamor for opportunity the same way yeah. as like, 99.9% of the people on the platform. Okay, so I got but, another one. Well, let me let me let me finish. Can I just go? Well, no, what, no, okay, no. now you go first. I want to but what I want to come back to is this idea of people clamoring for attention because I think this there's a really important case study that I have here that addresses that. Yeah, and I, I agree. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe I'm just like annoyed and kind of butthurt about all of it, where it makes me feel like like doesn't anybody just care about doing good stuff anymore? You know what I mean? Like when I was a kid, everybody wanted to be an astronaut and now everybody wants to be a YouTuber and it, it's, it scares me. And that's not me being um, like hyperbolic. That's true. The majority of the youth in America, at least they aspire to be YouTubers and, oh man, that's horrifying. That's really horrifying. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to build a company. So, okay. So here's, here's a, a big distinction for me. I see social media as a tool to build a company. I think most people see social media as the ends itself. I see social media as a means to an end. Like, yeah, use social media, use it as a tool, use it as a way to invest in yourself. Don't be it. Don't make it the thing that you are and, and what you want to do. And so I think a good example of that, and this is a super, super um, dramatic example. Like this is the top of the top and I'm, I'm totally aware of that, but it's BlackRock. Like they, what do they got? $10 trillion in assets or something. And did they need any tweets to go viral? Like, no, <laughs> they just needed to know the, the right people, shake the right hands. And eventually, I mean, Geez, 10 trillion, that's gotta be more than like most companies' GDPs, right? That's that's insane. Nobody thinks of BlackRock and thinks, oh my God, did you see that Instagram story that BlackRock posted the other day? Oh, 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 oh I can't wait to show it to my my cousin. <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen. And and so I think that's like if I'm self-analyzing, that's something that 
just really, really bothers me and it, it worries me. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, this comes back to to like the the sort of interesting dichotomy in our our positions versus our actions. Because I feel the same way. I mean, I, I'm very skeptical of the negative sides, the downsides of attention. And um, you know, despite that, like I come here and do this podcast every single week, so can't hate. I can't hate on it too much. But but here's what I really agree with you on. Social media is a great tool if you're able to use it as a tool. And the reason is because they are they are specifically incentivized to get as much attention for your work as is humanly possible. Yeah. I think that's a huge advantage. There, if you think about like that um, incentive structure, it's never really existed before. Here's the problem. If you get sucked into it, it can destroy your life. So like what I think the best people at social media are, they are using it ruthlessly as a tool. And then they do not associate it with their ego, personal self-worth, often even their personal face. And that brings us to this next example. So let me ask you a question, Tim. What's your favorite pet hair remover? What? Okay, hold on. Do I even understand the question? What's my favorite pet hair removal? Like a tool, or is there? Yeah, you know, you got like a carpet with some pet hair on it. You want to get the pet hair out, or maybe the cars, the seats in your car. You want to get the pet hair off those. What's your favorite brand for that? (laughs) Well, you know, back in the day, there was that thing where you would put the glove on. You know, and then you could just pet your dog. And eventually, because I always had German shepherds, because my dad used to train shepherds for the Philly PD. And so, well, a Rottweiler, really, but there were shepherds everywhere. <laughs> so I was just to get all the hair off of them. And I had really stupid gloves. <laughs> so, you, so you know the product. Did, did you have a favorite brand? <laughs> no, okay. I didn't, actually. Do me a favor. I want to try something live. I have no idea if this is going to work. So for people listening, this could really not go the right way but i gave you screen share can you just share your screen and go to amazon and just type in pet hair remover (laughs) (laughs) this is my favorite we're just going straight to amazon yes yeah amazon.com and then just do a little search for me pet hair pet hair remover there you go Tell me if you can uh, point to your favorite brand here. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe do a little scroll, do a little scroll. Maybe your favorite brand will pop up. Have you seen your nope. favorite brand here? Oh, the grooming glove. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. I guess it is up there. Here's what I want people to realize. Okay. Now scroll all the way up to the top. Yeah, like maybe those first four listings. <clears throat> um, the reason he doesn't see his favorite brands because most people don't have a favorite brand of pet hair remover because most pet hair removers are completely undifferentiated. Now, but there is a weird thing about the page that we're looking at right now. He typed in pet hair remover and we're looking at maybe four different, five different products. They all look sort of similar, but across, like plastered across the top of the page, uh, there's one brand and it's called Uproot Clean. And if you oh. scroll down, you'll see that there's sponsored ad right there. Um, and you scroll down just a little bit. Okay, pet root clean <clears throat> sells basically like a pet hair. It's almost like a rake 
for pet hair and you use it to rake your carpets or chairs or whatever. Great Theirs is $24. And if you look at all the rest of the products that are on this page that are similar, like uh, there's one that looks like a little bit fancier from Chom Chom there, but like all the ones that are similar build, similar structure, they are less than half the price, $9, $10, something like that. In fact, if you scroll this page, what you'll eventually find is there is a perfect knockoff. Uh, keep going, keep going. It's the same exact blue handle. I don't know, because they, there, there we go. The Wind Plus remover. It's the exact same product. Now, I don't know if they're both drop shipping these from the same place or if Lint Plus ripped off the design and reproduced it in China or what. But Lint Plus is $10 and Uproot is 20 Now, the reason Uproot is interesting is because of all these brands. They're probably the ones that are doing the absolute best on social media. In fact, they had a video go viral recently. <clears throat> it's, I mean, I can share the link real here, right here. Um, or, uh, well, why don't you give me a uh, share back? Sure. That way I can share this Gladly. and sh share the audio. They had a, a, a video go viral. And again, this is from Jordan's newsletter. Uh, got 42 million views, a million plus likes. Um, and here is what it is. So I'm going to share the sound. Now for people listening, I'll tell you what it is in a second. 42 million views, 1.6 million likes. It's somebody scraping pet hair off of a cat bench or whatever that is, like whatever cats sit on. Yeah, one of the things that they dig their claws in, their little towers. Yeah. So Uproot basically leverages social media to completely differentiate themselves from a whole bunch of lookalike products on one of the most competitive marketplaces in the world. Their website gets uh, at least similar web reports, like 250,000 visits a month. That's probably low, I would actually imagine, given uh, just how big their brand is and the fact that they are like the Amazon preferred vendor uh, for this product. But I did some digging. There's a tool on Amazon. There's a tool called Jungle Scout that actually allows you to see some pretty good estimates on how um, people, uh, let's see. Well, actually, I don't even have to pull it up. There's uh, a tool called Jungle Scout that will allow you to see how much certain brands are doing in sales. You saw the pet root, you saw the Lint Plus, you saw that pet root was more than twice the cost. Lint Plus is $10, pet root is $24. How much revenue do you think that uh, Lint, the Lint Plus knockoff does in a month? If you had to guess. And by the way, for people listening who didn't see the screen, they're, they look exactly the same. It's the same it's color, the same, same everything. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. How much I don't know. in a month? <laughs> yeah. This is a ridiculously random guess. I'll say 50 grand. That's ambitious. No, Lint Plus does about $7,000 on theirs in a month. But 50 grand would be an undershot for Uproot. They do $681,000 a month on their exact same twice the cost Lint Remover uh, tool. Okay. And so I'll, let me just put a pin in this. I'll put a bow on all this stuff. Yes, social media can be a grab for attention. But so can all the other marketplaces or all the other places people are trying to get money. I think 
well-used social media is going to set you apart, allow you to charge way more for the exact same product and uh, build the kind of loyalty that will outsell your cheaper competitors by like a factor of 10. Over to you, Tim. Very valid points. <laughs> and there's nothing that I will disagree with there. I like to point out a few things. One, Uproot Remover is sponsored on Amazon. And I don't think that that has anything to do with their viral TikTok. I think that they are sponsored on Amazon. And so they're like promoting their product the hardest on Amazon. Two, how much of their revenue is through vendors? I, I bet if you had a way to do the math, you would discover that the conversion rates on their $40 million video are minuscule. Absolutely, absolutely minuscule. And the majority of their revenue is coming from them being listed in like pet stores. You know, PetSmart is, is probably the biggest one, right? So how does somebody go about getting their pet hair remover product listed into PetSmart? It's probably not social media. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it is. <laughs> It could be. And by the way, I'm totally speculating here. I'm totally speculating. I don't think 40 million views on TikTok is worth more than having good business development that can get you into the perfect shelf space on a huge mass supplier like PetSmart. That that's actually a very interesting argument. I wish I had some cool data on that too. It would be, it would be tough to tell it'd be tough to what tell. the actual conversion rate is unless you knew somebody there i'm sure somebody who's listening to this knows somebody over there it would be really interesting to know what they think the best we could do is um oh my god look at this type in PetSmart dog hair remover what's the first thing do you think you see mr uproot right here and this is a, this is a google ad this, uh, yeah, this is a Google ad that goes straight to Uproot Clean. So, wow, they're so inundated that they're straight up bidding on the PetSmart brand. And then if you go to the actual PetSmart link, it's not on there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many of these large retailers are actually in. There are, and this is kind of the, this is where it gets a little bit more complex too, because a lot of large retailers are seeing the benefit of running marketplaces. They're basically trying to copy Amazon's playbook. So you actually can find this on Walmart's site, but I don't know if that means they have a deal with Walmart or if they're just like listed in Walmart's marketplace. My guess would be it's the second one because they're pretty they're pretty young. They Their website basically launched at the end of 21. Um, it doesn't take that long to scroll to the bottom of their TikTok feed. So they haven't been around more than like a year or so. In fact, you can look up, I did look up, the um the filing for the LLC. This was the other interesting thing. It's very hard to figure out who's actually behind this company. It's not like it's not like publicly mentioned anywhere. And their social media is not a particular person who's like, I founded Uproot. Wow. It was really interesting is if you go to their TikTok thing, uh way, way, way back in time, they actually posted their very first video is like a product creation demo where you see the the handle being molded out of thin air and then like the pieces come together it's like an animation that they paid for 
Then there's one or two videos of uh, staff using the lint roller and just kind of like showing how it works. But then it's very clear that they quickly latch on to what works best for them, which is just like silent video of somebody yeah. cleaning and then cleaning a, a, a carpet. And so the the entire showcase now is just like 150 different carpets that are all being cleaned with this lint roller. And they're all in the same apartment too. And I'm like, where are you getting all of these different carpets covered in pet hair? How they, I don't know how they're doing that, but I do sort of uh, like get, I'm kind of guessing that this is still a relatively small company just because of where they shoot these videos. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's, but um, I think it's an interesting example. And now here's what I wanted to get at with this too. You're right. Seize Candies, Walmart, you can go out, you can build generational wealth with like the absolute biggest, best company out in the world. But I think you and I will both agree that the odds of doing that are definitely stacked against you. To me, this is an interesting example of how you could take a product that everybody else is already selling. And if you're just a little bit better at communicating the benefits of that product to other people, like there's a massive, uh, up, there's just a ton of upside that you're going to capture. And it might be, it might be that they're getting that many sales because they're paying for ads. But I would actually guess that it's the opposite. I would guess that the reason they're able to sell this as much as they are is because of their social following. Because if for no other reason than because they're so much more expensive than everybody else that does the exact same thing. If they were all about the same price, they'd be like, yeah, you're probably right. They probably just dialed in the ads. But like, why would I pay 23 bucks for the exact same product, color, everything, unless it's a brand affinity play? I don't know because I haven't seen their numbers, but that's where I stand. I think these guys have built this success primarily on social media. And it, I love it. It's like, it's like those uh, pictures of power washers where they just slide back and forth and they clean <laughs> the sidewalk or whatever it is. It's like the same thing. That's a great example. And in fact, coming into this call i was actually kind of like kicking myself because i'm like i don't think i have any examples of service companies that are doing this well like it's one thing to use a product and i actually think there's a ton of people who do a really great job using their own product in their social media like <clears throat> nick bear is the one who comes to mind for me are you familiar with his stuff mm -hmm. um he's like a fitness influencer right now he's in the middle of a total body transformation for a uh bodybuilding competition and so every week his team is publishing like a really well-produced video about how he's doing it. And for people who don't know him, he runs a supplement company. So in the course of those videos, like he's eating and he'll share which of his products he's using. That's one thing. You did though, man, you just kind of flipped the script on this whole entire conversation because of what you just said. How so? maybe, maybe we just have to make a huge distinction between products and services. I can't think of any service companies that, I mean, other than Gary V, that really, really try to market themselves on social media. It is interesting. I think there's a lot, and what you end up seeing is a lot more of the grab for attention because, like, and I, like, I feel this feels shitty because we are um, an example of the same type of like information, but it's like, if you're an expert at something, how do you get attention for that on social? You have to be sharing your expertise. That's tough because it's like, well, now you're a thread boy and like everybody's, or like a guru or something like that. 
that becomes a much harder place to compete. So I, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep it centered on this idea that like it's not the activity of being on social media that's important. It is the honing of your storytelling skills, and nothing allows you to do that as well as social media. And then with that, there comes this like golden ticket sort of thing where it's like you're never more than one post away from completely changing your business in your life. And that's not my quote. I actually got that from Brian uh Reisberg. I think his name is his he's the guy who uh, are you familiar with the Maxine the Corgi Maxine she's like a famous Corgi on Instagram no <laughs> you're not familiar <laughs> no. <laughs> well she is and he is her owner <laughs> and and the two of us were talking about you know social media and content creation and he said that he's like you know you're one of the tricky things with social media is like you're never more than one post from totally changing your life. That is some interest. Yeah. But you can't rely on that. You have to rely on putting the work in of like building a good company, building a good product and learning to tell great stories. All right, let me give one more example because we got to wrap this up soon. Cool. Um, I, I, I promised one thing, which was like, if you're good at storytelling, it can overcome a lot. It can even overcome a product that people say that they don't like. And that is where this third story comes in. Uh, what comes to mind when I say the word, the words pink sauce? Pig sauce? Pink sauce. Pink sauce. Uh, I guess nothing comes to mind. <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Well, there was a... TikToker, I guess, by the name of Chef Pi, uh, P-I-I, and she created this product called Pink Sauce, and it basically went super viral on TikTok. I actually don't know too much about the story, except I did hear when the Hustle reported on this a couple of weeks ago, or I guess it was a couple so months gross. ago. Yeah, oh, well, <laughs> thanks for proving my point. That's yeah, it did not have like basically there's a lot of reasons this went viral. I think maybe she's like a really interesting personality, but also a lot of people were like, this does not look good. I have to buy it. And at some point, like when er super early on, she was actually making this stuff out of her own home. And there were some stories that broke. I think I don't know if they were ever proven or if they were just allegations, but um, some people basically said like it started making people sick or it was arriving in the mail. Uh, spoiled and like that's enough to destroy a company right if your product starts making people sick or it's showing up and it's defective uh and that starts to get out on social media like that can really take you down unless you have 148 million plus views for the pink sauce that you create if you have 148 million views uh the opposite happens Company reaches out, strikes a brand deal, and helps you actually start producing this thing in a real kitchen at real scale. Um, so she recently signed a deal. I think it's this. Dave's Gourmet Sauces signed her. That's why all the packaging looks super professional these days. And the point that I wanted to make in bringing this up was this was a case of a small business owner who was making a product that was interesting to people but like almost 
stepped on a landmine by make potentially making some people sick or just like let's just say it's controversial enough that people started speaking out about it in public regardless of whether what they were saying is true or not that's enough to destroy a business but in the case of chef pie i think is how you pronounce her name um is she an actual chef i have no idea i hope so <laughs> but she was she's a good she's a a, a chef of stories she's a chef of the of the uh storytelling persuasion anyways she was able to parlay her ability to tell stories and get attention into a brand deal that saved her company and i think there's something to be said there because i don't think this would have played out the exact same way if she was just some unknown creator working at farmers markets i mm. think if that had happened you'd be you never would have heard about it first of all and it probably would have been the end of the brand okay another thought experiment here for every pink sauce how many do you think there are that fail as opposed to every kitchen company i don't know what to call it let's just call it you know people making honey in jars or jams or whatever going to the farmers market every weekend like which of those two avenues do you think has a higher likelihood of meaningful success? Let's just say meaningful. You can define that word in whatever you want. But which of those two distinctions, which would you rather do? If you had to, if you were like, okay, I got Ethan's peanut butter. I got to sell this peanut butter. I can either bank on TikTok or I can go to the local farmer's market every weekend for however long it takes. Like which, which would you do? Well, Tim, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad that you asked because I didn't even think of this example. But uh, there is a company, a peanut butter company, that started out of somebody's home that could have started on the farmers market circuit, but went super viral on social media instead and grew. <laughs> Grew from a five-figure side product project to a seven-figure full-time business uh, within the course of a year. And they're now doing so which multi, would you do then? Multi-million so dollars. Which one would you do? If I was starting a product company, I would absolutely be on social media telling the story of that company. Yeah, I would but not, if you had to do one or the other, if yeah. you had to do one or the other. If I would absolutely go the social media route. And here's why. But 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 there's a difference. Like no, here's 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 the. I want to make a clear distinction. If I needed money tomorrow, I would like mow lawns. You know, you you could do like the ugly work that nobody wants to do. Like if you need money, don't try to build a social media brand. That's not that's not a good way to do it. But if you are if you're already in a place where like you're taking a chance on a business in the first place. I think there's absolutely no reason not to be on social media if you're doing it purposefully um, because the storytelling component of what you will learn there coupled with the odds that something hits so that you even just find your audience even if you never go super viral it's a way to like find your audience interact with your audience I, yeah. I don't see any downside as long as it's not detracting from the rest of your time which is like a much more reasonable stance than where we started so I don't know if people you can let us know what you thought of this debate. It might it might have been like a lukewarm debate because we're we're no, both like think so. actually kind of in the middle on this. Uh, yeah, I'm not in the middle. 
Like I see <laughs> the value of social media, but I just, I don't want to die starving. And if you're putting all of your eggs in the social media basket, you have a way higher likelihood of dying from starvation. And, you know, there was a farmer's market and, I, and the, when I lived in Boca, there was a, far, okay, a butter company in Boca made so much freaking money from selling out their butter every single week at the Boca Raton farmer's market. There's a pierogi guy in Nashville. Oh my God, what the hell is the name of his pierogies? Fascinating fact, by the way, did you know that pierogies is not an actual word and that pierogi is the plural and that they're called pierogues? Because we bought a hat that says, I love pierogi. And my wife and I kept going like, does this guy not know how to spell? Because it was on his website and on his t-shirts and on his hat. And so we discovered that it's actually pierogi is plural for pierogi. So every time somebody says pierogies, Oh, they're, no they're saying it totally wrong. Anyway, it wasn't upstate pierogi co, was it? I don't know. He cooked out of it's called Hunter's Station in East Nashville. That was the kitchen that he used. He sold so many goddamn pierogi. <laughs> Pierogies. I can't do it. He sold so many every single week. He he couldn't bring enough. It must have been. I mean, God, I don't know. The bags were 24 bucks a pop. He must have walked out of there. Ten, I, I say he made four, 14 grand a month selling pierogies at the farmer's market. How many people trying to sell pierogies on social media would kill to make 14 grand a month? I'd say I all say of them. Everybody except the ones who are already except the making ones. 140 grand a month. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So where do we land? Where do we land on this? What's the like? What's the takeaway for listeners? Because at the end of the day, we are still kind of debating marketing, right? Which is like, do you do marketing or not? I feel like the takeaway is you should not get involved with social media with the goal of, or like, like with the plan of going viral. Social media is a Actually, here's how I think about it. Social media is like investing. You know how you go to work every day and you get your paycheck and then you live off that, then you take some portion of it and you invest it. And like, you can, you can work your entire life. And if you never invest any amount of your paycheck, you're going to work your entire life because it's very hard to get to the point where you're earning enough money at a job that you can stop working. Yeah. Sign-in deals and hitting conference tables is like the working part of building a business. And yeah, you got to do that stuff. But you should also be investing. You got to be investing because, because the investment outlasts the work. And I think <laughs> that is where the social media comes in. People should be thinking about that as like, I'm going to spend X amount of time. No way. Yep. I'm, ta I'm taking 10% of my take home and I'm going to invest yeah, it. Okay. I, I agree with that. Totally. Definitely do that. I would just flip the analogy a little bit. I would say that the vast majority of your time shouldn't be spent on marketing. It should be spent on sales because sales builds businesses. Marketing doesn't build businesses. Marketing like 
marketing is only a, a generation machine for sales. And so if you want to sell pierogies, go to the farmer's market and sell them. Don't post pictures of them hoping that somebody is going to buy them. I like that. That's I think you I nailed stand. you. I think you hit the nail on the head there. 90% of your time should be spent on sales. That's the real differentiator. Yeah. And a lot of these. So the question is, well, let's leave it there. Let's <laughs> leave it there. Let's leave it there. I like that. I can agree with that. 90% of your time. And like, this is something that Sam says all the time too, which I like a lot. He says like, if you want to, uh, I don't know, I'm going to butcher what he says, but he says something like, you know, if, if a founder comes to him and says, oh, the business isn't working. One of the first things he'll say is like, show me your calendar. And if he doesn't have sales calls booked through that calendar, that's the first thing you fix because nothing else matters. If you're not getting in front of people and selling to them, I totally agree with that. Hmm. I do. I, I also think that for really smart business owners, there's like a way to do that through social media, but I, I almost need to think about it more than I could do right now. So I will, I will happily concede to that notion that 90% of your time should be spent on sales. And you know what though? I would even happily concede that like 70, 30 is good. I think 70, I think 30% of my, let's call it growth resources go to social media with the whole idea of like investing in some invisible idea in the future that may or may not ever happen, <laughs> right? But <laughs> like, I have every reason to believe it's gonna happen. I got, I got I, by tomorrow, I'll have 10,000 email subscribers on timstods.com. You know, that's like fucking rad. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. And all of it, uh, I shouldn't say all of it. Uh, uh, some of it comes from SEO, but pr probably... 2,500 of them came from SEO. Regardless, I, I will still be putting 30% of my growth resources towards social media. So I, I, I'll, I'll concede 70, 30. God, I think we damn. found a middle ground. Middle We're ground. too agreeable, man. We're too agreeable. <laughs> yeah. This was a good combo though. I like the examples that we went through. This was fun was to research for myself too. Like I was just, it was fun to kind of like dig into something and try and, uh, try and try and prove myself wrong. And like I said, you know, the weird thing is I'll stand here and say all day long, you should be on social media, but people want to go follow me. You're not going to see much from me because I don't spend a lot of time on social media. <laughs> and it's so funny too, because I'm always telling you that you should be more active because you yeah. should be, you should be so much more active. You could own this fucking newsletter space. Like you could totally own the whole thing. I don't know what you're doing. I don't have a way to convert it into cash. That's the big thing. It's like, I mean, it's great. It's great to kind of get the attention and stuff like that. And I know that I have something to say there but I don't have a way to turn it into money. And I just like, I don't want to, like, what, what am I going to do? Spend more time working with yeah. people? Yeah. So I don't know. Until I figure that out, uh, it's, it's its own unique problem, which is like, what do you do when you, when you can turn the attention on, but you don't have a way to convert it into cash. That's a whole, that's a whole different bag of worms. That's most people. Into. I think it's, I don't know. I think it's the opposite almost. Um, it's certainly not a problem that I've dealt with early, like at other points in my career, at other points in my career, I would have had like the, I can, here's my consulting package and I can do X, yeah. Y, and Z. That's all lined up. Um, but I never had the reach or the visibility and now it's flipped where it's like, I have the visibility and that's great. 
but I've just got too many other things going on to execute on like on, on turning any of that into, into money right now. So, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, that's going to change soon and we can talk about that next show. Yeah. So <laughs> until next time, <laughs> thanks everybody for tuning in. Be sure to go check out our super secret software. Please DM me, which we have still never talked about on the well, show. Okay. No, we hold on we are talking about it next week because it works and we've tested it and uh, it's pretty awesome. I, I really got to say like, it's pretty freaking sweet. Um, so if you want to get a taste, plzdm.me, please DM me. Um, we'll talk about it next week. That's our show for next week. I'm excited about that. All right, man. You got anything else you want to say? That's it. Check out or copybloggerpod.com and tell us what you thought. All right. Later. See ya.